Hello, and welcome to Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, and I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily, the number one online career growth club. I'm helping 1 million people grow their careers, and that includes executives just like you. I coach a community of executives inside Work It Daily, where we talk about what it means to be an executive, how we can build our executive networks, and how we can take our executive careers to the next level. So get ready. We're about to share content only an executive insider can bring to the table. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Executive Insider. This is the show where we tap executives from all over the globe to get their insights and experience on today's hottest topics in the workplace. Today, I've got a returning guest. I'm very excited to say that we have Duncan Pryor, who's back with us again. Duncan wrote an article for the Work at Daily site called How to Achieve More with Less Through Business Partnerships. And this was a second in a series that he created. And today we're really going to be talking about this ability to do more with less, which is extremely timely given the fact that I don't think I know of a single company that isn't contracting in some way as a result of the crisis and is thinking about how they can be more resourceful. I'm really excited to have his business expertise here today, and I want to jump right into it because we have a lot to cover. Hey, Duncan. Hi, JT. How are you doing today? Uh, Very well, thanks. It's nice and warm over here. I know we were talking about that, right? All of a sudden, boom, the heat's here. So, you know what? Tell me about your background for writing this particular article. Yes. So my um, recent experience is in the development of predictive analytics products uh, for the insurance industry with LexisNexis Solutions. My background is in solution consulting with IBM and Cambridge Technology Partners, sort of innovative uh, rapid application development consulting firm. But between those two periods, I switched to industry. And as um, an IT director, I built technology partnerships in the areas of fund management and education, which delivered sort of innovative solutions for them and supported the associated sort of change that went with that. So I thought the timing was right to, to sort of pull all that together and talk about partnerships and publish an article on the Worker Daily platform. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a great piece and hopefully everybody will share the link with you. We'll go over, take a look at it. But you know, the last article you wrote was all about accelerating team development, which was fascinating to talk to you about that because you've had some real practical experience about being thrown in situations where you have to accelerate the team's effectiveness very quickly. Now this article is building on that theme. So talk to us more about how this is an integral part of accelerating team success. That's why I've used the term business partnerships, although my background is in the area of technology and building technology partnerships and uh, delivering solutions there. But I wanted to use the term business partnerships because my point is a general one, and it's all about working together. And in this case, it's about even though business partnerships can be used, for example, in an internal HR business partner of a major corporation or something like that. This is just about working together where the people you're working with work for a different organization. And that's why I've used that general term. You talk about in this, when you start the article and you talk about assessing where you are and listening. So tell me more about that. Why is that such an integral part of this process? Yeah. So uh, as you said at the start, I mean, we're in a situation at the moment where people are going to be faced with many, many challenges. So that's maybe the scenario to think about where you've maybe come into a new job or as a new situation and you're forced to reassess in some way and sort of take a look at that. And let's assume for now that it's a significantly challenging situation. And the first thing to say is that it's all about then approaching the challenge that you find yourself with confidence and then also going about the way you work with a third party or an external company with integrity. I think that's a very important starting point. And then 
The next step is then to do the research, do your homework, understand the roadmap and what the roadmap of the vendor and what they're really all about, and also learn about the pain points within your organization as well. Then you start to bring those things together and start to find a way from there. Okay. So I love that you mentioned integrity and I want to go back to that a second, because that seems to be a really integral part of the strategy that you mentioned. And I think people hear that and they say, oh yeah, 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 I've got integrity, but let's expand on that a little bit. What is your definition of that? And why is it so important? When you come into a new situation, it's easy to look at the situation that you inherit or, or the new situation and look back and sort of question the decisions that were made previously. And I think it's a very good starting point is just to think about the decisions that were made previously and sort of assume that they were good decisions. They were decisions based on the information and the situation at the time, and that was what it was. Looking back with a different group of people, it may look strange at the outset, but that's not a, not a good way to start. And what's brought this to my mind is uh, you, you recently interviewed Bob Glazer on Work It Daily, and I've started following his Friday Forward blog. And on one uh, one of those, he called out the sort of uh, the practice which he'd seen on his travels in recent months of bringing in third parties, providers of products and services, and really trying to sort of opportunistically use the situation, sort of renegotiate the existing arrangements. He calls out really, really strongly as something that's just not on. I've seen a little bit of that myself in the past and her stories and what have you. And we can come back to that a bit later on, but it really isn't any way to start. And if only for the only reason you don't know at this stage that this company might not be able to help you get you out of the situation that you're in. Unless you've done the homework, this company that you're working with could be your savior, as it were. Yeah, it makes total sense. Give me an example from your own past with respect to this. There's a few, in there, but there's one that sort of stands out a little bit. When I was working for a fund management company, I was working with a company called Bottom Line, and I hadn't had uh, any experience of working with them before. This company did a few things. One of the things it helped us with was it just in the printing of approximately half a million statements every year. That was what this piece of software was bought for. Once I sort of engaged with the company and we started working together, ultimately, they, to cut a long story short, they played a, a huge role in, in us going paperless. They dramatically improved our customer experience and saved us a lot of money. And the other interesting thing that happened was that the company that we were using to make our payments every day was actually acquired by Bottom Line. So it's a little bit of a coincidence there. But once you start working with these companies, good things can start happening. So we went from a situation in a fairly short period of time from a situation that I had no experience of, also didn't completely understand our business at that time and the, and the pain points, but working through things together we went from what was a very sort of tactical supplier sort of arrangements to a major strategic partnership that was helping us right across the business. You know, you kind of talked about something similar that you've had an experience at Experian. Talk us through that example as well. Yeah, so Experian, they have a line of business. It's called sort of identity and fraud. And uh, again, at this company, this fund management business, we bought their identity and fraud solution. And we were using it to make sure we were meeting our sort of regulatory commitments and again, once we, we a similar sort of approach, I did my homework, did the background work, learned more and more about Experian. And if you read their publications at the moment, it's even though the business unit is called identity and fraud, what it's all about is about improving the customer experience, in particular, the client take-on process. So we were able to sort of rework the way we were using their solution. And again, we went from a situation where we were just kind of ensuring we're meeting our regulatory commitments to dramatically improving the customer experience by streamlining the customer take-on sort of process, the client onboarding process. This removed a backlog of six months to a year of application forms. So we were able to get the new business in, 
who saved an awful lot of money and again built a major strategic partnership with Experian. And I ended up presenting at their sales conference and we were talking about all sorts of future opportunities as well. And that, that sort of just, shows, uh, just shows what can happen when you start working together in that way. Yeah, I love that example. And that example is in the article. So folks, you should definitely check that out. Just again, we're talking to Duncan Pryor about his article that he wrote recently on Work It Daily that's all about doing less with more and is never more timely than today. And we're talking about strategic partnerships, you know, setting up for success, exploring third-party relationships is really fascinating. One of the things that you talk a lot about, Duncan, is value creation. Can you talk us through that? What is that? Why is it so important when you're trying to focus on something like this? building on what we've been talking about. If you take a scenario, for example, where you're in this situation where you're working with a supplier vendor and not worked with before, you might find yourself in a negotiation. The focus can all too easily focus on, you might think you're getting a good deal by getting some sort of discount. You know, it's all, it's all about this sort of level of discount. And I always choose to think about things a little bit differently. And my friend uh, Ben Johnson, he commented on that very specific point as well. And a good example being the point he made is that what you want to do is really try to gain access to some of the, the best people within that organization. That can be difficult to put a number on. And if you sort of push too much on the discount side of it, you might lose in other areas uh, such as that. So just when you really need some help, you might struggle to gain access to those people because lots of other customers are looking for that support as well. So that's a sort of the starting point. And I think I was fortunate and I went on some sales training. So I understood when I was working with partners, I always really understood where my role was in the sales process. I understood how the account managers I was working with, how they were trying to sort of understand qualified opportunities and work with clients such as myself to sort of grow and develop their business as well. So it really pays to know a little bit about selling. And many people such as myself don't have any direct sales experience. And then the next point is then to think about this sort of value creation. So what that means is that if you're looking at the business benefits and the business case and discussing those, and if you can share that information with your account manager or your counterpart and the partner, there's a very good chance that it's much more straightforward to find an agreement. So a good example is when I was with this fund management business, I mean, the business was small in comparison with companies like Oracle and Experian. But there's an understanding that based on the scale of our business, there was a budget that we had available it becomes a bit more straightforward to come to a, a successful negotiation that's really good for both parties. And then the last point to pick up on is not to underestimate the value of success stories and working together. You know, particularly technology vendors are always looking for success stories and they're looking for people such as myself and, and other people within organizations to actually share that experience. And a good example is this week, Hewlett Packard Enterprise are running their Discover of virtual sessions and there's people like uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Steve Kerr are uh, presenting there but that could be you as well I mean they really customer companies like HPE and Salesforce are really really keen for business managers and uh, technology leaders and executives to come and present at the conferences so here's a radical question for you how are you supposed to know the best way to design a career that suits your unique needs Few of us were ever exposed to useful advice to help us make good career decisions. In the past, only pro athletes and wealthy CEOs could afford career coaching. Work It Daily was designed to disrupt the career coaching industry. We provide 24-7 access to career coaches for less than the cost of a gym membership. Like most professionals, you've likely struggled at some point to find a job or grow your career in a way that makes you feel happy and satisfied. Work It Daily can help you make sense of what to do next in your career. Career planning can feel daunting and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
Work It Daily will provide you with the structure and answers you need to take action and get the positive results you're looking for from your efforts. Because we know you have better things to do than stress about your job search or career growth strategy. You'll find us online at workitdaily.com or in your phone app store. That's Work It Daily. W-O-R-K-I-T-D-A-I-L-Y.com. Visit to learn more or sign up today and get started with our career coaches immediately. So fascinating you say that. So again, folks, welcome everyone who's listening today on Executive Insider. I've got Duncan Pryor here. He's a business executive, and he's really been talking to us about a series he's been writing over on the Work It Daily site around how to accelerate team growth and also how to do more with less. That's our topic for today. At this time, I welcome you. If you have any questions, feel free to post them and we'll ask them of Duncan. I have a couple more questions that I want to ask him about it. So today you've really laid out quite elegantly, Duncan, what needs to happen to be more successful in this process. And we're looking at this idea of partnering you know, with third-party vendors and coming up with value creation and thinking about how it's a win-win partnership. Let's talk red flags. Let's talk about if you're going about it this way, what might be some warning signs that an organization wouldn't be the best one to partner with, that it isn't ideal and may not turn out the way you're hoping? That's a great question. I mean, certainly you could be many, many companies are working with many, many of suppliers and vendors and third parties. It would be wrong to say that really every single one of them could end up in this strategic partnership. I think what's important to me And the way I've gone about doing this as a part is to have your own sort of set of principles. So if you understand, it could be uh, technology principles or any other principles about the way your uh, counterpart is operating. If you've gone through that and you've attached your own set of principles to the vision of your own company, you can check to see if they match with those of the company that you're working with Mm. and uh, your counterparts. And if they don't, then that's when you might think, well, actually, it's not going to be possible for us to continue to work together. At some point, we're going to have to look for an alternative and go out to tender or something like that. That's the way you can then remove it being a decision based on opinions. The other point I think is maybe worth making as well is it would be wrong to paint a completely rosy picture. In all my experience, there's always been many, many challenges and many, many sort of serious conversations that you have to have working together with your partners. But there's a way that you can sort of set that up so that when that day comes, you're still able to work through and potentially escalate or whatever the approach you need to take. You've already put it in place. You're not then just reacting to what's happened and just sort of jumping on a particular issue. You've already put the relationship in place so that the meetings are happening and the right meetings are happening at the right level so that when difficult conversations happen, it's a kind of easy, difficult conversation, you might say. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I think over the years of being an executive, I've really learned that if people come in too rosy or optimistic, I become more distrustful. I think when we're entering into a partnership together, I like that more balanced partner who is asking a lot of tough questions on the front end, right? To make sure that we're trying to minimize that. It makes me feel more comfortable than those ones that are just so excited about the possibilities, but not really thinking through, you know, the execution and the blind spots and that sort of thing. So I love that you brought that up. That was great. We have a question from the audience. This one's from Susan. Susan asks, what are important things to consider Duncan in setting companies up for success with the present COVID-19 pandemic? Great question. I think it would be, be going back to what I said, you know, it would be a good time to go back to what's the basis for you making decisions in the first place about the companies that you're working with. 
It could be, for example, that, again, as uh, Robert Glazer has also touched upon as well, and to your point there, JT, if a company is, certainly they may not have an alternative, but if a company is simply just laying people off, for example, and that really goes against the values that your company has, then that's a sort of question mark. And turning around the other way, if you see a company's not doing that, then that could be the time to think, well, are we operating? And you see that the, the values are aligned because of the way they're treating people during their, their own staff during the pandemic. That could be a time to really think, well, are we working together strategically enough? Is it a time to reconsider? And, and as, as, I'm, as I mentioned in my previous talk there, is it a time to just assume you're starting from the beginning and then sort of reset the relationship based on the current situation where maybe you're not allowed to meet face-to-face anymore? Yeah, it's so interesting. It's bringing such a whole new set of challenges across the board, I think partnerships included. So we have a comment here from Amy, but I also feel like we have a question wrapped in here. Amy says, I like the idea of business partnerships, being supportive of each other's business models and wanting each one to succeed. Outsourcing is so different and more about cost versus partner. I would agree with Amy on that. Don't you think that the word outsourcing, my mind goes to commodity-based, whereas I feel like what you've been talking about today is far more value and relationship-based that might be a little bit more expensive for both sides to invest in, but the ROI should be better too. Do you agree? Yes, very much so. And, and I think the work I've been involved in, in in these companies, once you get it right, you do deliver, to Amy's point, a little bit sort of related. It can be tempting to think, well, with this solution, this is uh, an opportunity to uh, sort of eliminate roles and save money that way. And of course, there is a little bit of a hard-nosed aspect to that. But also, quite often, there's, there's an opportunity for the staff who are kind of stuck doing things in a, kind of an old way to do something that's, that's of much more value to the organization. It's painting us a rosy picture. There is a little bit of realism there required. But ultimately, I agree. I mean, I don't really, I'm not a fat, particular fan of the term outsourcing because, you know, what, what's the objective? It can just sort of appear to save money in the short term. But where are you going with that? I much prefer to take a much more strategic view and look at the value add that staff can bring when work of lesser value is removed with technology. Totally agree with you. I love that. Jim's got a great question. COVID-19 and Brexit have clearly shown how interconnected our world is, but also the risks. Any key lessons for companies looking to manage the risk reward of global partnerships? Great question, Jim. My experience is typically working with the scenarios I describe as much working for a smaller company. More recently, I've been working very much in the UK arm of a US business. And I think overall, it provided for our insurance customers in the UK, it provides a a lot of opportunities to be working with a business of the scale that's not only as a small organization in the UK, but there's a much larger organization in the US that can continue to do the research and product development that our clients in the UK can benefit from. So I think that's the potential reward there, rather than looking at a company LexisNexis I was working for in the UK as being a small company, but just comprising the UK workforce. What's behind that is a much, much larger organization that can deliver significant value over the longer term. I know. I think there's so much in store for us. Lots of examples of this going forward. I think there'll be plenty of case studies in the next couple of years, don't you think, that we'll be able to point to you about how successful this is and what companies have done right and done wrong. You know, various curious times for sure. All right. I can't believe where the time goes. It always goes so fast when we chat with you, Duncan, but I definitely want to first ask you, where can folks that are listening today reach you? Where's the best place for them to reach out? 
Oh, I'm on uh, on LinkedIn. I, I use uh, LinkedIn Messenger, or uh, I'm contactable at uh, duncan.prior at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. So folks, make sure that you reach out to Duncan. And then of course, I always like to close by turning it back to you, Duncan. So what's the most important takeaway that you want people to have today regarding all of this and uh, this topic of doing more with less? My takeaway is, is as I said, is to start by thinking of going for 100% success. Just be intentional and make it a sort of personal commitment to building success with your uh, strategic partners. See it as your own commitment and your own decision and just don't hedge it by not sort of committing to it fully. And also think, as I mentioned in my last talk, I really always think it's something you maybe get a little bit forgotten is think about your own career and your own network and the extent to which you can sort of benefit from working with companies that may be larger than the one you're working for. It's worth aiming high within your partner organizations. The senior executives within those organizations are always very, very interested in what clients are doing and are always sort of hounding their own staff to get more client focused. So this presents, if you're in a situation where you're working with these partners, this presents a fantastic opportunity for you. And I really think this is the way out of, for many companies, out of the current crisis is by engaging with these companies because they might well have the solutions to your biggest problems. I absolutely love that. And I could not agree more. I think if I'm hearing you correctly, now isn't the time to circle the wagons and not explore. If there was ever a time to reach out and network and explore opportunities and partnerships, it's probably now. (laughs) That's for sure. And it's a wonderful, positive way to look at it. I always talk about people who are searching for opportunities. And from the beginning, you've been somebody who's always looked forward thinking in this crisis, which is great. So thank you for that. Thank you for that inspiration. Thank you everyone for attending today. Another Executive Insider on the books. Remember, if you want to when you got to work it daily. Take care. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Executive Insider. If you want to learn more about Work It Daily and how we can help you with your career or job search, visit workitdaily.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. Don't forget to check out workitdaily.com slash podcast to get access to the resources and links mentioned in today's episode. Those can be found in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening. And I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode of Executive Insider.